What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. I'm your host, Lance Isios. In this podcast, we explore the human experience. And guess what? We all go through adversity, whether you have in the past, you're going through it now, or you will in the future. And this show will provide you with the tools, tips, and resources so that you can navigate adversity in your life, but not only just to overcome it, but to be able to take that adversity and transform it into purpose to create a purpose-fulfilled life. So the hopes of this show is that you learn, you grow, and you feel inspired to change your life or to take action in whatever it is you want to do. Today's episode will give you that inspiration. And sometimes these stories are just what we need. Today's episode, we sit down with Chris Felton to hear his incredible transformational story. Imagine being burdened by a staggering $250,000 credit card debt while your life crumbles around you. Chris and his wife reached a pivotal moment where they chose to seek mentorship and embrace change. Through a journey of personal growth and a profound shift in mindset, Chris experienced a remarkable turnaround in all facets of his life. He distills his invaluable insights in his new book, Think and Grow You, an empowering resource that encourages others to enact similar positive changes. Tune in to discover the significance of setting goals defining your desires and taking actionable steps towards achieving success in your life. With 24 years of entrepreneurial experience, Chris Felton intimately understands the trials and tribulations of pursuing one's dreams. From navigating dire financial straits, he emerged with renowned perspectives and transformative habits that have led to both personal growth and financial abundance. In his book, Think and Grow You, Chris shares his hard-earned wisdom and experiences, inspiring readers to proactively pursue their paths so that they can create a fulfilling and successful life. This is a powerful episode you don't want to miss. Make sure you listen to this right to the end, and I promise you it's worth it. Also, you guys, if you aren't subscribed to the podcast, make sure you do so wherever you listen. Hit that subscribe button or the follow button so that the episode downloads right away. You don't even have to think about it. And also, the sponsor of this episode is my book, Mastering Adversity. If you want to take the next step from this show and you want to dive into my formula on how to navigate adversity in your life, to take you on the journey from start to finish, grab a copy of that book. It's been something that has been not only transformational for me, but many others who have picked it up and read it. So Mastering Adversity, Unlock the Warrior Within, Turn Your Biggest Struggles into Your Greatest Gifts. All the proceeds from the book go into this podcast and funding the podcast so that we can continue to bring you free content with amazing people. So consider grabbing that if you want to support the show, but most importantly, I want you to enjoy this and, you know, take notes, absorb it, listen from people that have been through some shit and overcome it because that's how we learn. We learn from people who have been in situations worse than us. So we don't have to. All right. Chris Felton coming right up. Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. We're doing it, Chris. Welcome to the podcast. Finally, we're making it happen. Dude, I know. Excited to be here, brother. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited to have you as well. We did a little chat a while back, kind of get to know each other a little bit. And I was really intrigued by your story and you got a great book. And what I really love is, is your ability to be able to bounce back. And there's, you know, there's so many people in this life 
that are going to have been through challenges or going through challenges currently. And it's really great to know that it's possible to be able to be in the shit, to be able to use tools and to get out of it. So yeah, man, I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm excited to dive into all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Me as well, brother. So let's kick it off. Firstly, I want to kind of just talk about your book first and then we can kind of see how it all unfolds, but walk us through why you wrote the book. I always like to know the real reason. Like I know you went through different things, but I want to hear it in your own words. Like what was the thought process? Like, why did you want to write this? Why was it important? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 51 and I've been a entrepreneur for 24 years and haven't been a human for that long. Um, I know what it's like to get really stuck. Uh, I know what it's like to live in fear, doubt and worry. Uh, I also know what it's like to be when you feel like you're doing everything possible and nothing changes. I don't know if you've ever been in that. You feel yeah. like I'm, I'm totally busting my ass. And the, the results aren't different. And, and, you know, I've coached thousands of people over the last couple of decades. And it's painful as a coach to watch people get so stuck that they think that quitting and giving up is really the only answer. And I so empathize with that because I was this close to doing that very thing. But but I didn't. I, uh, I realized that uh, I had to quit living in hopium, mm-hmm. right? which is where people live like hoping things externally change while we fiercely insist on remaining the same. And uh, I had to go 100% all in on my growth and development. And so, you know, dude, I invested tens of thousands of dollars and I worked with a world-class coach for four and a half years. I invested, you know, thousands of hours just really understanding how I screw myself over and, and, uh, and, and how to get out of my own way. And so, You know, um, I wanted to give people a resource that they can invest a micro fraction of the cost and spend, you know, way less time. And my goal is I hope they get infinitely better results than me with less investment and less time. So it's all about making an impact. That's why I wrote it. Speak to us about the moment that you're referring to, like in your own life, when you were stuck, like when you were feeling like there was no way out. Because I think this is the really important piece is that so many people get stuck in that, even though they're doing the right things, but they don't have the foresight to see past the present moment of it being what the results they're getting in front of them aren't necessarily a representation of what's possible, but that's what they're getting. Talk us about where you were at in that position and what led you to that. Yeah. I mean, my, my turning point was, you know, I'm in the kitchen talking to my, you know, second current and last wife, because I know she's going to be listening to this because she's a big fan of your show. Um, and, and, uh, uh, and we're, we're getting in a heated argument and she's getting pissed off. And the reason she's irritated is because, you know, I'd, I had gone through a divorce uh, my kids were, you know, five and two at that time. I'm in Colorado. They're in Atlanta, Georgia, living with their mom. Um, I basically laid down in the divorce. I felt so guilty. I, you know, she got half the business. I had to finance that. I signed a 6,000 square office lease that I can't, I can't pay for. Um, so I'm $250,000 in credit card debt. And I'm in, you know, the Great Recession as a financial services entrepreneur, and I have to pay my ex-wife $5,200 at the beginning of every month. And that time I'm talking, I'm I'm sitting there talking to Marlo and that payment has to happen the next day. And dude, I'm out of money. Like I I can't borrow anymore. I, I ran through my savings. My wife's good with her money. Marlo's good with her money. And so... I had to come home and convince my wife to give me the money to pay my ex-wife. Mm. <laughs> and that didn't go over too well. Mm. And I turned my head for a second and then I see her purse <laughs> fly over my head. Like she picked her purse up and threw it at me, but she didn't just throw it once at me, brother. She threw it again. And again, she threw her purse three times <laughs> And we're in the fight of our lives and she's, you know, you're this, you're that. And 
cuss bomb, you know, f bombs and cuss words. And I'm like, well, if it's so bad, why are we still together? Why are we? Why are we together? And that question ended the fight. She went upstairs the rest of the night to figure out if she should stay or if she should go. And there I was, man. And that was the awakening. And the awakening was this. I could see all these dominoes fall in my life. I thought about my ex-wife. I'm like, yep. I actually expected that relationship to fail. And what I've learned in my journey is we don't get what we hope for. We get what we expect. I expected that thing to fail. I hadn't seen my kids in months. I'm drinking a ton. I'm a disaster. I'm out of shape. The, the physical, the financial stress uh, was impacting Marlo. And I was tired. And why was I tired? Because I was manipulating the, the, the furniture on the deck of the Titanic. And, you know, just it was a mess. And I realized that if things were going to change, I had to change. And so the end of the story here is Marlo and I got back together the next day and uh, in her and none of this happens without her. But in her intense time of stress, dude, it would have been really easy for her to focus on the bad things in me and exit. But she chose to focus on the good things. And she didn't want to live without that. And what that did for me was broke my habitual uh, self-sabotaging relationship pattern where we would hit some adversity, whoever I was dating or married to. And I'm like, well, this sucks. Uh, there's got to be some utopian relationship out there that requires no work. And that sunshine, lollipops and roses all the time. Um, but that was my pattern. I'd find it, exit. My dad did the same. But what Marlo did by doing that, she got me to do the same. And then she said, we're not getting divorced. We're not declaring bankruptcy. We're not getting jobs. We had access to wealthy mentors. She's like, I'm going to reach out to them. These are people who had wealth in all areas of their life. I'm going to figure out what they do, what they think. Uh, our first book, Couples Money, came from that. And she was kind of like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, I'm going to figure out how my mentality keeps creating broke. Because, dude, I'm a CPA. I'm a financial advisor. I'm broke. And I said, I'm not interested in changing. I'm committed. She's like, what do you mean by that? I'm like, you know how an Olympic athlete is with their sport? That's how I'm going to be with this. So I got my ass up early in the morning, read, visualized, meditated, journaled. I climbed in and uh, didn't happen overnight, but it happened over time. And then we had a jaw dropping transformation. But for me, thank God, I had a jaw-dropping transformation in all areas of my life, spiritual, physically, financially. I have more energy at 51 than I did at 41. Um, everything changed. So anyway, and that's that's the stuff I get across in my book is, man, this is exactly what I did, and this is what exactly you two can do to change. Yeah, I, I love that. I, I want to kind of dig into that more because I have found there's like a mixed philosophy around a morning routine and not having a morning routine. And I love a morning routine, but then part of me is like, should I just get into work right away and start doing income producing activities? Because, you know, you, you hear, you hear both, you hear successful people saying these things on each side, like, you no, know, do your routine first. No, get it right into work. And what I'm, why I'm asking this is because how do people know what's right for them? And like, I'm trying to put myself in your position of being down that much money and like you're doing the stuff and then it's like, okay, but what, what, like what habits change as far as like doing that, the routine stuff, like what, what did you do to actually change like the money-making activities and how did you balance that so that you were still doing enough of that and kind of like the personal development stuff and like the routine stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal question. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and I talk about in my book, like, you know, yeah. th there's views on affirmations Yeah, and, and people are like, they work, they don't work. I'm yeah. like, you're both right. Yeah. Because I got a story in there. We could get to it at some point, but I, it worked for me because I expect it, right? You don't get what you hope for. You get what you expect. It, I right. expected affirmations to change me. And so when people are like, they don't work, I'm like, you're totally right. Yeah. Because that's, because that's what you believe. 
you know, and like, I know, I know I love Andy for celibate. He's like, Oh, do a morning routine route. You know, his, his whole thing's all about grinding and overcoming. And I'm like, well, he's right because he expects to always grind and overcome. Right. And which is fine. And I'm not yeah. being critical. No. And, yeah. and, and, you know, I always call both ends to the middle. I mean, there's the group over here. That's like, you know, I'm going to meditate and pray and watch the movie, the secret 45 times. And then Oprah's going to call me. And, and then there's the group over here that's like, you know, the David Goggins, Andy Frisella is like, you're gonna, you're gonna grind, you're gonna, you're gonna. I'm like, yeah, but I always want to get both ends to the middle. Yeah. Right. And so it's not a science. It's not black and white to me. It's there's there's a flow. There's a dance. There's there's an art to this. And so um, but what I learned, what we learned from interviewing these world class people is it's not either or life is both. Right. And and it's not, hey, can I have a great family and build a business? No, it's both. Can I get my morning routine dialed in and execute my plan. I call it, you know, looking at the 60,000 foot level of the imaging and the visioning, and then you go execute at the five foot level. It's, it's both. And, and the reason the routine is important, at least for me, brother, is um, most often when I wake up in the morning, I'm discouraged, yeah. right? I'm discouraged and discouragement ruins people's lives. And encouragement is like a gas tank and you gotta fill the tank. You and I were talking about, I got crazy stuff going on in my life and there's a tremendous amount of unknown. And when I woke up this morning, I was a little fearful. I was a little in doubt. I was a little discouraged. I don't make that a problem. I make it a project. Right. And so I'm like, all right, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna perform on Lance's podcast, I can't just get be discouraged and get into busy work it, because I'm gonna show up discouraged. My energy is not gonna be where it needs to be to serve the most people. So I spent you know an hour. It could be thirty minutes, whatever. Doing my imaging, my visualization, my sitting with God, my you know just all that stuff. And then after that, dude, I filled my gas tank and I flipped from discouraged to encouraged. And I can't imagine waking up, executing your plan, leaving your house, like, you know, pig pen and peanuts with that vibration going out and attracting more things to be discouraged about. Mm. So I don't know. That's, that's the, and, and it's changed over the years. And there, you know, people are like, how do I do it? And I'm like, get, get off that. Just, yeah. there's no good or bad, right or wrong. There's certain things that you just you test with and some stuff serves you until it doesn't. And but for me, it's just huge. And I think if you're going to be if you're going to be in, if you're going to grow and change because it's not optional, you have to be intentional about it. And for me, I had to rebuild my confidence. And so I'm like, and the way how do you do that? Keep your word. So I had to keep my word to myself. And I built it over time anyway. That's my, those are my thoughts. No, no, I don't know if I answer your question or not, uh, but yeah. No, you did. And you, you went into a really important human part that I want to talk about is I, I know that a lot of people feel this. It's when you, for some reason, when we get up in the morning, we have this doubt. I have it too. And I'm like, what is this? This isn't true. This isn't the real me. And then it's like, Every day I'm like, how, what, what is that? Like, why is that? And I really agree with you on that, how the routine can really kind of you're intentionally set your energy for the day and you decide like how you want to show up. And since I started doing this work years ago, I can see the difference. I can see when I decide to turn on my phone first before doing the things that I know that I need to do and I become reactive and I just become this like reactive robot and I don't feel connected to myself. And you're right. You just attract more of that bullshit throughout the day. And then we wonder, well, why do I feel so chaotic? And I have had to look back and go, well, it's the habits you do from when the second you get up. Right. And it's so important to understand and cultivate that relationship with yourself when you get up, like what makes you, what could, what, how do you connect to yourself and how can you set that energy for the day and then take control of your life? 
like take be in the driver's seat versus like the passenger, right? And it's just such an important point because I think a lot of people feel like they're alone when they feel like that, like they're the only ones that feel discouraged when they get up. But I'm glad you brought that up because it's it's a human thing that happens. And that is the reason why you should have something to kind of bring you up from that. And then you can start your day. So that was a great point, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think the, the point is like, you know, wh- what I've learned is, and it's one of my quotes in the, in the book is we're a miracle and a mess at the same time. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and so the goal is not to be perfect. And it's, that's a stupid goal. That's a self-sabotaging behavior. And yeah. so when I accepted that I'm a miracle and a mess at the same time, dude, it, it freed up so much energy. Yeah. So like, so like when I get up in the morning, I, I don't go, well, I shouldn't be discouraged. Well, you are. Yeah. So just accept that you're discouraged. And then my coach is always like, okay, just accept it, dude. Quit, quit reason. Cause what creates stuck is what is happening should not be happening. Exactly. Right. That's, yeah. that's the main root of stuck. And so if I wake up and well, I shouldn't be discouraged. I'm better than this. No dumbass. You're discouraged. How did it happen? Doesn't matter. Yeah. Accept it. And then my coach is always like, what do you want? What's next? Well, I want to be encouraged. What's the next thing I need to do? do the things that get me from discouraged to encouraged. Yeah, that's a great saying. Isn't it isn't it fascinating how many people will spend all that energy on the problem like how why it didn't work out or why this and why that versus like okay, why not focus on what we can do for the solution? Like why like there's so much energy there that gets put outward that could be put inward into figuring out the solution. Yet so many people, they, it's like, they, they just give that power away. It's it's crazy. Well, dude, the preeminent law in personal growth and development is a law of growth. And everyone talks about what you focus on expands. That is, that is the law, the law. Almost everything in personal development comes back to this thing called the law of growth, which is where I place my attention Gross. Yeah. So once you figure that out, because a big part of my book is, okay, got it. Yes. It's not about, you know, ignoring or being an ostrich and putting your head in the sand. It's like, okay, it is what it is, except, and then what I do to shift. That's the key. Mm. That's the key. How do I shift? So when you were sitting in that, that debt, like, I want, I want to know the feelings that were going on in that moment. Cause that is a tough position to be in that much debt. Like yeah, it, that is a big accomplishment to get out of that shit. Like, you know, for most people hearing that, that is, that is very inspiring. And, you know, cause I, th- again, people, the reason I like these conversations is that people feel like they're alone. They feel like they're the only ones going through this shit. And what it's great is like to show that perspective that you were in that so deep, yet you still managed to be able to do the things to get out. So that factor, and we may have talked about this in our pre-chat, but that factor is what fascinates me is that how did somebody be able to do that versus quit or just unravel and just go down a different path? Like that is so interesting to me, you know, like how you're able to navigate that, like, and the feelings that you're going through in those moments. Yeah. I mean, it was, um, well, my, my main, my main mode of operation is delusion, right? That's when, when I'm, when I'm have that stuff going on, you know, we, as humans, that's, we always got to guard ourselves against being deluded and being delusional. And the number one skill of a world-class thinker and a high performer is what's called objective reality. And objective reality is to be able to look at your situation, own it 100% and not beat yourself up and not, you know, the, the guilt, the, you know, I mean, all that, the beat, the constant hammering of myself and how did I get here? And I shouldn't be here. And, and, you know, and that was, you know, that, but I was delusional too. Cause, cause I was like, well, honey, it's getting better. You know, and my coach is like, dude, optimism and delusion sleep in the same bed together. Like you're freaking delusional. And my big shift was owning it a hundred percent. It was not my ex-wife's fault. 
it was not the Great Recession's fault. It was not my clients. It wasn't Marlowe. It was me. I created the whole mess. So to take 100% responsibility and just go, yeah, it sucks, but I, I connected the prices that other people were paying for me being delusional, mm. my kids, my wife, because we don't normally, we won't change until we connect prices and how our need to stay the same is impacting other people. And it was too heavy. And that woke me up out of my delusion. And then the objective reality was, you know, Marlo put the bloody balance sheet in front of me and the bloody income statement. And she had done that for months to try to wake my ass up. But I was in my hypnotic state, my hypnotic trance of being a human and delusional. And I'm like, it's getting better. I got this going on over here. But this time was different, brother. I looked at it. And I was like, got it. I got it. And I looked at her and I get goosebumps every time I say this. I'm like, we will never be back here again. And I went from desperation to determination on a dime. How many hours? Oh, sorry. No, keep going. No, no, I I mean, there's a couple other things we did that we can dive into that were massively important. But it was was like, accept. Yeah. Accept. Don't beat myself up. It is what it is. My coach said acceptance because people are like, well, acceptance, what is that? That's yeah. that's weird. Why would I accept it? My coach said, dude, here's what acceptance is. You don't need to love it, but you got to stop hating it. Yeah. And once you accept, that's the only platform in which you can create from is from that. You cannot create from shouldn't be here. I'm such a dumbass. I, I can't believe I did this. I can't. No, that is, you know, Joe Dispenza calls that a negative feedback loop. Like you just keep putting the energy out, coming back, thinking creates more results. And you're just in this loop. And it's a lot of stuff that I teach is, you know, some of the stuff that, you know, what are the things in your life that you wish weren't there? That's the ultimate question. And whatever you write down, you're resisting. Mm. And it's shit that's been there a long time. Right? Dive, hold on, go deeper into that. So can you say that again? Let's let's. That, I think that's an important point. Say that again. Well, yeah, it's it's. Um, I actually I just just shot my workshop. It's going to be out in the next week. Um, but it's actually the the basis of where I start the workshop, and it's right because this is what was taught to me. This was sixteen years ago. Make a list of everything in your life that you wish weren't there. Things that you're pissed off about, angry about, frustrated about. So for me, it was my debt, Marlo's stress, uh, my ex-wife, my kids don't know who I am. Uh, I'm a drunk, basically, functioning drunk. You know, my health, all this stuff. And then the guy's like, okay, how do you feel about that stuff? And I'm like, well, I hate it. He's like, yeah. He's like, but you're, you're obviously satisfied with everything that's on that list. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you're obviously satisfied. What are you going to do about it? I'm like, I'm fixing it. He's like, you won't. You can't. You won't. You can't. That's what you've been trying to do. It's not going to work. What do you mean? I was getting pissed. And he said, until your energy changes with those things on your list, those things on your list won't change. Oh, boom. Oh, dude. Like a sledgehammer. That's such an important point, man. Yeah, it's ginormous. And then I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, dude, you got to accept what's on your list, right? You got to, you got to accept. You don't need to love it, but but you need to stop hating it. And you got to start making new choices. And we can talk about clarity. Everyone talks about it, but just my perspective on that, like you focusing here, thinking that's going to do it, right? Where your attention goes, your energy flows. Your, your debt just keeps growing. Why? Because that's where you are. And then he's like, instead of focusing on debt, you and Marla need to focus on creating wealth. That was a game changer for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard that as well in the past. It's like, instead of focusing on your debt, focus on sales, focus on getting, bringing in that revenue. It's hard though, when you're in the shit, sometimes it's like so easy to look at your bank statements. And I guess like, 
Um, this is this is that that this is so important that I have that written down that I'm going to go through myself, and I think all you guys should go through that as well because that's a great way. And I talk about acceptance in my book too, so we're definitely on the same page with that. Um, I was going to ask you around uh, subconscious beliefs and patterns, right, and how much that has to do with people reliving the patterns. Like, let's say for you, what was your what was your money patterns or your money story or whatever programming you had before that? And did it keep happening? And was there anything that you had to do that helped you sort of get into that subconscious where we're not even aware, you know, we only have like so much awareness in the conscious mind. Right. And I know you, you, this is, you know, you're, you talk about this stuff as well. So it's like, what, like, how did you change this? Like, what, what was that dynamic for you? And like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I I, I needed to um, I needed to transform my money beliefs, right? And uh, and, and I'm a Christian, and and uh, Billy Graham has a quote. It's, it's uh, once you get your attitude straight around money, it'll help straighten out every area of your life. Powerful. And unpack and, that. Unpack that a little bit, just so. Well, yeah, I mean, once once you get your attitude straight around money, it'll help straighten out every area of your life. And this is the stuff that I talk about in the book, you know, yeah. like, um, forgiving my ex-wife, you know, like that was a massive freaking energy leak that was, you know, and my coach said, if you don't do that, you're going to be broke. Right. Um, judgment. I just talk about judgment, you know, it's public enemy number one. Um, but there was a lot of stuff that I had to do to basically put myself in a position. You know, I talk about deservingness in the book, like what a ridiculous concept. I deserve or I don't deserve. Like that's a that's a that's a man-made mind virus. It's it's there's no truth in it. Like trees don't go, I, I don't know if I deserve birds don't be like, I don't know if I deserve to fly. Like, no, like nature deserves growth. We do too. We just make up so I had to like shore up all that stuff. And I was never going to attract wealth if I didn't do that work. And and, and I read that and I was like, okay, you know, I, I got to really focus on this. And so I had to change my money beliefs, but the first step was what are they? And yeah. my coach who was wildly financially independent and he was in his late seventies and he'd been financially independent for 40 years. He said, you know, get a green money journal and I want you to write the word money at the top of it. And I have, I have it all in on what chapter it is in my book, but, but, write down everything you make up about that word because we just make up shit. That's what we do as humans. We make up stories. We're storytellers. Yeah. And, but, 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 but there's that, that's, that gives you um, hope because all we gotta do is shift the story. Right. And so my money beliefs were like, rich people are crooks. Well, where'd that come from? My dad, right? Because from zero to four, years of age, we have no capacity to accept or reject anything. We have mm. no capacity to accept or reject. And uh, it's a, it's an author, Margaret Lynch, wrote a book called Tapping into Wealth, unbelievable book. She said, the biggest determining factor of your financial success is the vows that you made to gain acceptance into your family at a young age. Meaning, mm. you have to buy their bullshit to get their love and acceptance. So when my dad said, rich people are crooks, Whenever he said that, I don't know how old I was. I said, yep, I need to buy that to get dad's acceptance. Mm. It's crazy. My mom said, money, you either have it or you don't. Us, us Feltons aren't really meant to be that successful. Um, you know, it's just life's a bitch and then you die. You know, that whole yeah. that whole thing. Money, uh, my dad said, wealthy people make money on the backs of poor people. And then... You know, so we we do that and then we get programmed by society, you know, I mean, yeah. like the movie Titanic. Wealthy people are on the main level. Yeah. Hating each other. All the broke people are below drinking and dancing on tables in yeah. Spider-Man. The Green Goblin's a billionaire. Yeah. Like, you know, so we get all this. So, so the first, the first thing I had to do, brother, was I had to sit down and go, what do I make up about this word? And so when I got my 13 or 15 or however many limited money, hard to make, hard to keep. And, and so when I got all this on paper, I'm like, oh, I finally met the enemy. 
it is I. And my coach was like, okay, accept it. Don't beat yourself up. Don't make yourself wrong. It is what it is. Don't resist it. We found the virus. What do we want it to be? I'm like, well, um, making and saving big money is easy. Uh, uh, my my favorite affirmation of all time, a whole story on, I attract success, abundance, and peace into my life because that is who I am. Um, money is a scorecard of value that I create for other people. Uh, if I'm growing, my money's growing, you know? So it was all these empowering things. And then it was just the work of just giving myself grace and just affirming and expecting the affirmations to work and all that work. And then just, piece by piece, bit by bit, moment by moment, just over time, shifting my money story to where it was more empowering. And then, you know, the results happened, but I would do that work, right? Mm. You know, I wasn't a personal development zombie, like a lot of people are. They just take in information, they never apply it, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to do the work. I got to set that stuff aside. And then I got to execute my plan. I got to, I can't wait to fix myself and then take action. I need to do a little bit of work every single day. And then I got to go execute my plan. I got to prospect. I got to reach out to people. I got to, I got to be prepared. I got to execute at the five foot level and I have to win the freaking day. And then at the end of the day, it was a quote from a guy named Art Williams. <laughs> all you can do is all you can do, but all you can do is enough. I asked myself on a scale of one to 10 at the end of each day, did I do all I could do? Mm. And if it was a seven or Okay, what do I need to do tomorrow to do all I can do? How was it, man? Work on yourself, set it aside, execute your plan whether you're ready or not. Mm. Yeah, there's there's lots there. And I was curious as to I found there's there is especially if you're Christian or religious as well, sometimes I've like people think that it's almost bad to have money because like God wants you to suffer or something, you know, that story. So that is interesting also, I because I feel like there's like two camps, one, one, or they don't believe it. And then some are like, that's what it is. And it's like, why would he want you to suffer? Like, I mean, why wouldn't he want you to be the best that you can be and create in this life? You're, you're, you're a human that can do things. Right. I just think it's an important part because I think a lot of people kind of get stuck in that. Oh, they, they get massively stuck. There, there's way too many broke Christians. And, um, you know, and I was one of them. But as I as I unraveled it and studied it and, you know, Jesus was wealthy. But it wasn't his God. Mm. Right. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, in, 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 in my book, it's, you know, Matthew 633, man. Right. Like, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Like, that's the flow. That's the order. If you if you don't if you don't put money as a God, if, if you keep God where God needs to be and you're all about growing yourself and maximizing the gifts that you've been given, that's why I wrote the book. I mean, God put the book on my heart. Yeah. I, I never lost enthusiasm. I wrote, it took me 16 months to get it out. I never once was like, shit, I got to do that. Yeah. No, I was like, man, this is good. Like people need to understand this stuff and I got to yeah. share my dirty laundry and, Give people hope about it. And, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, money's the second most mentioned topic in the Bible. And, and Jesus wasn't saying money's bad. He's just like, you should be wealthy. He was metaphysical. He was a metaphysician physician. I mean, it's just keep the order right. And as he's talking to the Pharisees, they lost the order. Yeah. They lost sight. Right. And people are like, well, I turn into that. No, you don't. It's going to make a great person better. What are your What are your thoughts on somebody that doesn't know what their problem is? Like, you know, say they keep repeating these patterns, or they keep doing these things, they're doing the work. Like, what do you say to them when they keep doing the same thing over and they don't know what it is? Like, and it's it's deeply in there. I'm sure you've come across people like that. Like, what's what What do you think? What's the solution for that? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I think we're, I think coaching is I I, just, I think it's ginormous. I just I mean, we all have blind spots. Yeah, and and we can't see it, and we all need a second set of eyes. I mean, that I was that guy. Yeah. Um, and I needed you know I needed guidance from a guy that was where I ultimately wanted to be, and he he gave me these exercises. I wasn't gonna I didn't come up with this stuff on my own. 
He's just like going, dude, like there's you plus a thought equals a result. You're broke. There's you. There's the thinking that creates broke. So pay attention to it, right? What's the thinking? What's the repetitive thinking that's creating broke? Like um, it's it's a world-class uh, um, skill. It's called metacognition. It's the capacity to think about what you think about. Yeah. Right. It's, the, it's so important. Yeah. It's so it's, important. It's, it's massive. Be and, conscious and, of your thoughts. Like, Hey, that's not the <laughs> thought I want to choose right now. That's going to bring yeah. me to the same result again. Yeah. Yeah. People are like, well, how's that? How, how, how can I do that? I'm like, okay, if you're uh, sleeping in bed at night and somebody breaks into your house at three in the morning, how aware are you? Yeah. Like you are aware. Yeah. And my coach was like, dude, your life is based on today. The thoughts that you had, if you want to change it in the future, you have to change it and it's going to be work, dude. And here's the deal. Your life right now is this hourglass of black sand. It's pretty nasty. So we just got to drop a little piece of gold every single day in there. Right. Mm -hmm. Be aware of your thoughts. I like that, man. I like right. That. Be, yeah. be aware of your thoughts. Right. Follow through with your plan. Do what you say you're going to do. Do uncomfortable things. Ask for referrals, you know, whatever, whatever stuff that you're not doing because you're so addicted to being comfortable. And then you're going to look up and there's just going to be a lot of gold in there. So just win the day, man. Be aware of what's going on. And so, you know, thought would come in. Oh, my God, you this. Ah, ah, delete, you know, whatever. I repent, you know, just I'm the master at shifting and not going down the rabbit hole because it's so important. So yeah. important, but yeah. it'll, it'll work out. I feel like stay that's, on it. that's one of the, thank you for that, man. I feel like that's yeah. one of the most important skills somebody can develop is I got a lot of that learning a lot of that from Bob Proctor too, about just oh, like, yeah. you know, Master. these thoughts and even Joe Dispenza yeah. there. It's, it's, it's fascinating to me, man. Like these thoughts that pop up, and it's like, which one are we going to feed? Like, it's so easy to allow this thing to pop up. And then it's like, oh, all energy in this thing. And this is my day. And that's it. Or it's like, well, no, that's not true. That's not even anything I'm going to put energy into. Because what you said, and, and you know, you when you put energy into it, it grows, right? That's, that's kind of the rule. So it's like, being aware of which thoughts are popping up and which ones do you want to grab and, and, and which one's the closest to your truth of what you want to do. And I feel like that is something that is so important. I, I feel so grateful that I'm able to somehow be able to do that too. I never used to be able to, but I want everybody listening to think about that, those thoughts, like which ones are you choosing to, to put energy into? And then it's, I guess that, it's just one of those things where the more you do the work on yourself, right? Would you agree? The more you get conscious of the the thoughts that are like actual truth versus the bullshit. Yeah. Right. From doing the journaling and the meditation and the praying yeah. and all that. Right. Would you agree? Oh yeah. 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 I mean, my, my ultimate goal brother was to have peace and yeah. I wasn't going to have peace in my life unless I had a peaceful mind. Right. It wasn't going to happen. It's 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 an inside out approach to life. Outside in doesn't work. And so my goal was, I mean, I had I obviously had to, you know, shore up the money situation because um, I, I don't think you can have peace unless you have financial peace either. But peace in my life wasn't going to happen unless I actually created peace in my mind. And, and, and like I said, I, I say in my book very early on, I'm not a guru. I don't have it all figured out. I have not arrived. Um, I'm just committed to growth and development. I'm committed to doing whatever it takes to just get better and serve more people. So, but, but one of the goals I have attained, but, and, and there's, there's different levels is I got a pretty peaceful brain. I mean, it's, I don't yeah. fight myself a lot, but when I do, I know what to do to shift it. I can still happen to me. I can still get in resistance. I can still, you know, have things in, I can still let things in, but you know, you, you, you're, your mode of operation should be peace. It shouldn't be resistance, which it is for 90% of society fighting with what is right. It's exhausting. If you 
if somebody is in a similar position as you, let's say you could, what you know now, go back to that person that you were in those times or somebody similar, and you were to give them a list of things tomorrow, you're going to do this and this is what you're going to do consistently. What would that look like if somebody needs to get them themselves out of the shit of money that need to start doing things different and they need to start building that confidence and that self-worth? What would you say to them to start tomorrow? Well, the, the, the first and foremost thing is you got to know what you want. I mean, that's, you got to be clear. And, and that is the most beat up topic in personal growth and development. I mean, it's, it's like, you got to know your why you got to know what you want. You got to be clear. And what would happen for me, Lance is, you know, I, I would be in conferences and trainings and these massively successful people would get up and talk and they would say that same thing. Got to know what you want. Got to know your why. And I would take notes and then I'd walk out of the conference and then a, a squirrel would run by me. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, I got to go chase that squirrel down. Right. Or as my mentor calls it, Felton quit chasing wild asparagus. Right. And uh, and then I'd go get woo busy. And then I'm like, I'll get to clarity tomorrow. And so what marlo and i did is once we came together and the bloody balance sheet and she showed all that to me and we're staying together and all that we sat down and we're like what do we want and i asked her what do you want and we as a couple formed a unifying goal most married couples don't have a unif unifying financial goal they, they they have their own things they don't talk to each other about it and if you're single you can do the same thing have a goal and she's like i want a hundred thousand saved I'm like, holy shit, like that's Mount Everest. I'm at zero, $250,000 of debt. And then my left brain CPA was always like, how? How are we going to do that? And Mike Dooley calls it the cursed who's and the cursed house. That is a trap. Okay. But what we learned is from our mentors is high performers know that goal setting is emotional. Everyone else thinks it's logical. And so we took their tips and we said, why, why, why do we want to do it? And I said, I don't want to fight with you ever again on money. I got to see my kids. They're little and I'm missing everything. Um, I think it's getting handed to us because we're supposed to teach a lot of people. I don't know. How do you develop muscles? Resistance. If it didn't get handed to me, I wouldn't have done the work. It was a massive blessing in disguise. Right. Um, we, 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 we set some, you know, material things that we wanted, but the most important thing we did, brother, is we identified the feeling that we wanted to have. And that was relief. I wanted relief around money, like freaking oxygen. And so when, so then it was the hundred thousand, but I was like, okay, that's too far. Let's focus on the first 10 grand. And so part of my morning routine was, okay, Right. If we could get the first 10,000 saved, what would that look like? So we're in our rented home and my mental movie that was about three minutes long. I play every single day um, was my wife coming down the stairs in her ski outfit on a Wednesday. She's she's, you know, in the business with me and she's she comes over. She kisses me on the forehead and she goes skiing for the day, meaning she felt safe enough to take a day off. And when I would play that and really go, okay, I want to feel relief, dude, I'd, I'd wake up from that imaging session and just absolute tears and tears. And that started reprogramming me on money. And it was like, okay, so that's the programming, but on the how to front, I had to quit eating out. Right. I had to quit blowing money. I had to quit doing what everyone else does. Everyone's like, well, once I get more income, then I'm going to get my shit together. No, mm -hmm. uh, I was reading secrets of a millionaire mind. T. Harv Eckert. Once you, or it, it, he said, uh, until you start managing the money that you have now, well, you won't see anymore. And so I had to quit eating out. I had to quit doing happy hours. I had to quit. I'm a business owner, right? A lot of business owners are like, well, it's a business deduction. Well, you're a dumbass because why are you spending a dollar to save 30 cents? That was me, right? I said, well, I'm taking a client out. No, we, 
So we started shoring up the small dollars that were leaking out of our lives. Uh, we did a cash diet for 90 days. We ate what was in the house that had been there forever, right? We wow. didn't eat out. We drank cheap wine. We kept our word for ourse- ourselves, right? We we met weekly. Are we closer? Are we further away? We had our compelling emotional reasons. And once you can't you can't be trusted with big dollars until you sm- until you manage small dollars. That's where everyone screws up, dude. They think it's some big thing that they need to do to transform their lives. No, success is all about small things cared for. Mm-hmm. It's all about small things cared for. So we had to, right? We had to manage the small dollars. And so so this is what changed my energy, dude. We still had $250,000 of debt. We still don't have any savings, but my energy changed, right? I had hope. I was keeping my word. I was doing the small stuff necessary, right? I was just focused on winning the day. I didn't do the visualization and go, well, where is it? Bob Proctor says I'm supposed to show up. Where is it? Like you don't plant the damn seed and then dig it up to figure out the, if, the, if the plant's growing. Right. The great and that's where, you know, trust unlocks all the blessings. So there was a lot in there, but it was, we had to take care of the small things and then we could be trusted with the bigger stuff. So the bigger clients started showing up. Right. And we, we, we changed that. I mean, we blew past that goal and blew past, you know, what it just rolled because momentum and, and now it didn't take so much focused effort. Now it's habit. Now the subconscious has changed. How did you, how did you adapt to the flow of money? Did your, did you have to level up even in your routine and your visualization? Cause sometimes when people reach that money, they stop doing what they're doing and then they, they lose it all. Cause they're afraid of like the money itself. Like what, how did you change once you started to bring in the money and you got surpassed that? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, 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 you know, my, my, my personal growth focus was, it it was really on money beliefs. I mean, it was really money mindset, money beliefs and, you know, the, you know, fear of losing it and yet all that. I mean, those are all things that I had to, you know, overcome, but, but, you know, it would pop up and I'd be like, okay, um, that's natural. It's not a problem. It's a project. Right. Right. It's not a problem. It's a project. Okay. So, so, um, there you have it. So, you know, fear of this or money's going to make me a horrible person. Like all that stuff would pop up, but instead of me going, Oh no, I shouldn't be thinking that it was like, interesting. Got it. All right. So what do I need to do to kind of plow through and, and shift that? But then it was constantly, you know, upgrading what I was seeing. You know, then we set the next goal. Right. And the goal was once we hit that number, then it was like, we're going to go to Pebble Beach. And then that visual and that image was all about me waking up and watching the sun come up on the 18th green, which I did. Right. Because I visualized it a few thousand times when there was no evidence that was going to happen. So would you say that that itself is the most important thing is the feeling of what it's going to feel like when you have it versus the actual specific thing? Because here's what I even get. I get stuck in this. Sometimes it's overwhelming because there's so many things that I want to achieve and I find it hard to narrow it down on one. But as you're saying this, like, I know this stuff, but it makes more sense to kind of now correct me if, if you think differently on this, but like, it doesn't matter what the individual thing is, but it's like the feeling of what that would bring, even if you got all of them, or would you specifically narrow it down to focusing on one thing that you want to achieve that feeling, or is it okay to like, have like a bunch of things? Cause that's where I get messed up sometimes. Cause I'm like. Man, there's all these things I want to achieve, which is the one I focus on the most at the time, you know, and I kind of get in my head that way. So I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I had, I had, you know, kind of sub goals of stuff that I needed to do to like drive my income up. 
Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, so, so th- those were like, I had to take action in those areas. Cause I, I mean, I had to, I had to double my income. I mean, I, like, and I was already doing decently and I had to double that. So that was, that was a driver. So my strategies, tactics, and processes were all about leveling up my activity to get my income doubled and also, you know, raise my money thermostat, you know, I could do a whole show on that, but we had to raise the the amount of money that we saw ourselves making. But, but, but the goal that, that was fed from all these other sub goals was, you know, getting that first hundred thousand dollars saved. Right. Cause that was huge. Cause if we couldn't save money, we would never be debt free. Then did you have to kind of work it backwards as to what daily things do I have to get to get that much, like to break it down? Like how many yeah. sales calls, how many this, how many yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, did the reverse engineering, but then um, uh, my coach taught me uh, a guy named Brian Moran wrote a book called Twelve Week Year. I don't know if you ever read that, but um, it, it's it's about taking the annual goal and and chopping it down and just getting focused on quarters. And that, and I actually talk about it in my book, like that process. So because what happens with with annual goal setting, or I'm going to be there in twelve months, is you subconsciously pace because you have all the time in the world. And so what my coach taught me was on the income and the savings was, okay, this is where we need to be 12 months from now. But if it's January one, this is where you gotta be March 31st. So what has to happen there? And then what's the weekly goal that you need to be pacing to hit that? What's the strategies, tactics, and processes to hit the weekly income goal and to hit the savings goal? So, so it was right because I can control the activity here because, you know, a, 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 a sailboat captain doesn't go, well, I mean, I, I got to map it out. No, they pull up anchor, they leave dock, and then they adjust the sails based on what's going on. And, and clarity only happens when you move forward. Yeah. Clarity only comes from action. So I would be like, okay, the goal is to make 10 grand this week. Okay, what's the strategy, tactics, and processes and then on Friday, I would check in with my coach. He's like, well, how much actually happened? I'm like, well, I made like three grand. He's like, okay, no big deal. What'd you learn? What worked? What didn't work? And so what happened, Lance, is we started making these small micro adjustments, 52 of them every year versus, you know, January 1st is like people are like, I'm going to change these 4,000 things and they get overwhelmed. But then I'd hit... I'd hit the quarter and like the first time I set a big income goal, it was twice, twice of what I was making. Right. But it was the quarter. It was the, that quarter of what I needed to make. I hit like 55% of it, Mm. but I ran all the way through the end of the quarter. Like I closed the quarter out and I felt phenomenal. And then I re-upped and then I hit 70% of it next quarter. And then I re-upped. And I hit 93% of it. And then I raised the income goal. And I talk about in my book of all the quarterly goals, I've said, I think I've hit like 4% of them, but I just kept raising them and raising them and raising them and raising them. I don't know if I hit you with too much information there, but no. that's, it's, it's, it's the annual to the quarter. And then your strategy tactics and processes to the week. And then you course correct. Well, I think it's, I think that's great. I think it's so important to know, like just to break it down because it is, it, it does get overwhelming. You know, like as far as big goals and then it's almost like this, well, I'm going to expect it to happen and it's going to happen, but it's like, well, no, you have to figure out, okay, well, what do I have to do every day to make, to get that weekly goal? I mean, that's, it's almost like it creates a little bit, it's it's less stressful knowing that you're just focusing on that versus like, how am I going to get to this? And then you start having stories in your head about all the things and, and then doubting and all that kind of crap. But if it's like what you're saying, like just breaking it down, it becomes easier and it becomes more attainable. And I think that's easier to stick to. Yeah. Well, and, and, and one, one of the keys, I mean, I'm big Bob Proctor fan, man. I mean, he's like one of my heroes, right? And I'm at this uh, six day, seven day training. And like my vision got just blown up. Like it was just like, oh my God, dude, I was thinking bigger than ever. And I started like going into overwhelm and like, how am I going to do it? And oh my God, I'm at base camp looking up at Mount Everest. It's so, 
And Proctor gets up there. I think he was like 82 or something. And he's like, he's like, I'm going to tee it up for the next 10 years. I'm going to go after it. I'm going to do that. You know how he is with that, that, you know, voice of God and you know, all that. He's like, he said, but I'm going to do it with calm. I'm going to do it in a calm, relaxed manner, calm urgency. And I could feel the stress leave my body. Mm. Calm urgency and just kick ass with what's in front of me and course correct. And that, you know, cause, cause I, I quote it in the book, like there's no happy ending to an unhappy journey, man. Like it mm. needs to be a calm, urgent, peaceful pursuit. I love it, man. So important. I got one more question for you, like around your speaking, just like a personal question for me. This is something that I'm, I want to really get into. I'm really passionate about it. And I think there's, you know, listeners out there who want to kind of know about that too. Like how did that unfold for you? And like, what do you have recommendations for people that want to step into that and kind of own that part of their, their journey? Um, I, I mean, I, I've been blessed to be in a entrepreneurial platform for the last 24 years where, I mean, I've been in front of crowds once or twice a week for 24 years, um, some big ones. And yeah. Um, uh, so how many thousands of talks I've delivered? Um, and now we got this whole podcasting thing that we all do. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think the, the key is, is, uh, um, do it, man. Do a bunch of it. Um, just just get out there. Get in front of whoever you can get in front of and craft your message. And you know, and and uh, you know, my my mentors, my speaking mentors, you know, world class. He's the guy that helped me with my book. And you know, he's made Steve Siebel fifty million plus in speaking. And it's all about crafting your stories. And that's how I wrote the book. I got my 50 stories and we created the content around it. So if you want to speak, just get a book. And when you get ideas around stories, write them down, write down Mm -hmm. the stories and then get out and test them and see how people react. And so if you can create 18 to 24 really strong stories, wow, that many got a pretty bad, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying you need, you need that many, but, but, but that's, you know, at least 12 really good stories. Um, you know, you, you have a, you have a speaking menu that you can go kick some ass. And, and, and my, in my formula is always like, I was a disaster. I woke up to being a disaster. I did this to change and I got this result. So that's always been my, you know, my flow. I don't want anyone to think that, you know, I'm speaking down at them or, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure all this stuff out too, but, but I'm ahead of some people just because I've (laughs) made more mistakes and screwed up more. And I've just spent more time on it. doesn't make me better than or smarter than, but I just know that we got to grow and develop. So yeah, I thought that, I mean, I hit you with a lot of stuff there, but I think create your stories and go get out and test those stories and see how people react. Yeah. I just, I think, speaking is such a powerful thing and I just love how humans are so impacted by stories. You know, I mean, it's been in, it's in our DNA. So it's just, you know, I haven't done a ton of speaking, but I know that when I have, I'm like, this is where I belong. Like, I love this. And I just love, you know, I know you have very successful in it. So it's like, it's cool to see, man, because there's that energy that you get from those people and that feeling after it's, it's pretty remarkable as you know. So it's like, I always like to kind of figure out what the best way. And I know a lot of listeners are too, because we're, you know, the world's changing, you know, it's so many things are changing and it's always cool to get different perspectives on like how to become the best at these things, uh, you know, from somebody like yourself who's been doing it for so long. Right. It's, it's, uh, it's really cool to kind of, get the inside tips on that stuff. Yeah, for sure, brother. Well, do you have any last pieces of advice for anybody right now? Let's say that they're struggling with adversity. They're, they feel like their backs are up against the wall. I know we went through a lot on here, but anything that we can kind of tee them up with or something that you want to leave them with that could, uh, they could apply in their life right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's um, just, relax <laughs> right just loosen up man loosen up right just uh 
you know, I, I think that the importance of really knowing what you want and, and not just hearing this today and go, I'm going to get to that, but like, okay, pull out your phone and schedule this time to sit down with a pen and a pad of paper, go somewhere in nature, go to a great hotel, go someplace that you like to be at and just sit, sit with it, sit, write, don't use your computer, just write pen and paper and just ask yourself, what do I really, really want? Um, I've been challenging people because my mentor is a self-made billionaire, dude. He's 71, still got the energy of like a 20-year-old. He asked me, he said, Chris, what's your top 25 dreams? <laughs> oh. What's your top 25 dreams, baby? Um, start that list, right? Because what, what the problem is, Lance, people are either dream flat or dream dead. Mm. And and just, you know, the, the, that stuff is what... That energy from dreaming is what, you know, because our, our default as a human is fear, doubt, and worry, procrastination, and drifting. And mm. the only way you get through that is you have some real dreams. You have some things that energize you, and that's the stuff you got to be feeding. So take the time. Do the work. Think. I'd be glad you did. Awesome, man. Appreciate that. It's a great place to end it. Where can we, where can everybody find you? Your, so you got your Instagram, Chris underscore TGY, where else your website? Yeah. Chris Felton.me and uh, a book, I do workshops and uh, keynote speaking. That's my main, main focus. Think and grow you. It's a great title. <laughs> Thank you, brother. This was great. I really appreciate it. You got a lot of awesome wisdom, very humble and, uh, Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Lance. You're a stud. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, everybody.